to the Uproom Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit uproomfrisco.com. Hey, family. Oh, the wine of his love. Oh, there's nothing that tastes better than his love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so much that I could share. I could go many different places because I have a lot in me. But because it's the fifth anniversary Sunday, I, uh, I felt like it would be cool to give us a behind-the-scenes look of the prophetic history of how we became Upper Room Frisco. Get a little snapshot of that because... Like, my goal is I want all of us to realize that this was not done by might nor power. It was done by his spirit. I love the fact that we launched on April Fool's Day. (laughs) You know, God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, right? Later on in that passage, it says, so that no one can boast before the Lord. Um, so after I go over the, a little bit of the prophetic history, I'm going to go into, uh, the number two goal would be to ask, what is this unto? As we realize that God did this, what is this unto? And number three, let's just, uh, encounter God in the thing that it's unto. Okay. Because we love being transformed by his presence. Okay. So in order to do that, um, I'd like to go now way back to a season that I had of encountering God in such a way that, and I'm not going to go into every single details because it would take forever, but I was, there was a season of time where I was encountering God in such a way that I could connect the dots to really me being in this room and all of us being here today. It's kind of wild. So in order to do so, I'm going to share a little bit of my story. Is it okay if I get a little vulnerable? Is that okay? Um, Uh, I'm going to go back to the year 2006, 2007. This was way before Hannah and I were married. Um, That's my beautiful wife, Hannah, there. Um, We got uh, got married in September in 2013. But in that time period, um, 2006, 2007 was a very painful season for me. Um, My first marriage ended miserably. I didn't want that to happen. But it did happen. It wasn't my choice. But sometimes, I'm not going to go into all the details, but there was a lot, of, uh, a lot of painful stuff happened during that time period. And so when I look back 2007 to 2010, those years just seem kind of like a blur to me. You know, um, I was uh, experiencing depression, hopelessness burnout. I wasn't in the, the best place. But if you, if you knew me, some, some people that knew me, they might not have known what was really going on inside of me. Because what do we do? In order to survive, what do we do? We disassociate from our pain. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Mm. Mm, yeah. We disassociate from our pain and put on a happy face facade so that 
everyone around us, including ourselves oftentimes, think we got it all together. But in reality, if we're honest with ourselves, deep inside we know how exhausting it is to keep those performance plates spinning in the air so that we don't have to go there and process our pain with Papa God and let perfect love come in and heal us so we could be set free. So in 2010, 2011, the depression, the hopelessness began to melt away under the fire of God's perfect love. The wine of his spirit, the joy of God began entering my life like never before. I'm bringing this up because as I began to walk in freedom and joy, unlike I've ever experienced, in 2012, I began hearing the voice of the Lord prophetically about a community of people in Frisco that would capture his heart and that would have personal, tangible experiences with his perfect love. And then later that same year in 2012, I remember I had a, I just, I felt like the Lord spoke to me to go to this church website and sow a financial seed for what I felt like God was going to do in Frisco. And I knew about this church because of Eric Royals, who was up here. Um, I've known him for many years. And what I was going to do, I was going to go to the church's website and there's, there was drop down menus where you can allocate funds to someone. But he wasn't there anymore, so you didn't get the blessing that day, man, sorry. Um, but what I did, though, is I was like, okay, I feel like I'm supposed to give to this church. So I just went and read the bios, and there was this one couple on there that I had never seen before and I'd never met before, and I just felt like I'm just going to give them what I got. It wasn't a lot, but I'm just going to them, give them what I got. And that couple is Jeremy and Ashley Shuck. <laughs> How crazy is that? Uh, Sowing a seed for what I felt like God was going to do in Frisco to someone I didn't know, and they become the campus pastors. I mean, that's crazy. And, you know, I I didn't know this, but Michael and Larissa Miller, who founded Upper Room Dallas, them and the Shucks, I guess they've known each other for years and years, and they've had a lot of relational equity. So when we needed a a, uh, campus pastor, then they came over here. So, and I remember on a Saturday night in 2013, I watched, uh, me and Hannah watched the new J.J. Abrams uh, Star Trek movie. And uh, at the end of it, that famous phrase comes, comes out where he says, boldly go where no one has gone before. And I immediately felt like the Lord told me, this is what I want in Frisco, a people who will boldly go where they've never gone before and explore the wine and the depths of my perfect love. The very next day at church, this guy who I've met like once or twice comes over to me and he said, hey, I feel like I have a word for you, Ryan. I said, yeah, what is it? He goes, have you ever seen Star Trek? And I go, yeah, I have. And he says, I feel like the Lord wants to take you boldly where, no, where you've never gone before. And I keep talking about the wine of his love because, you know, in the Bible, wine speaks of the joy of the Holy Spirit. The first uh, miracle was turning water into wine, marital wine, first love, intoxication. And just a few months after that, someone posted on Facebook an album from this guy named Jeremy Shuck, who I still hadn't known yet. Um, But it was the Ain't It the Truth album that he 
put out a long time ago. And, uh, and there was a song on there that said, that the name of it was Something We've Never Seen. And some of the lyrics on there was, Something we've never seen before, the vintage wine, the unexplored, something we've never seen before, you're releasing. The bridge says, you take love above and beyond, you are love above and beyond, love above and beyond. And it's so crazy because that song kind of became an anthem, kind of a confirming thing that Hannah and I would listen to a lot, like, this is what God wants to do in Frisco. And we still hadn't met Jeremy and Ashley, and it's crazy that their pastor's here but it makes perfect sense since God knows things. Um, and then in June of 2015, Michael and Larissa Miller come and speak at our church. And we were like, these guys just are drunks on Jesus. You know, they're just obsessed with the presence of the Lord. And there was just something about them. And, uh, and so we started going down to when they were in the All Saints building, Upper Room Dallas, uh, for a season. Um, and then we began, uh, we made it our home church in January. And so, but yeah, but why are we going to Dallas from the colony where we were living before if we have a word for Frisco? Well, you know, you have to hold words loosely. We don't know if or when something like that's going to happen. But in the interim, what do you do? You go where the fire is, right? <laughs> so we went to Upper Room Dallas. Um, and then... We were in, I think, the first or second UR 101 class. And uh, electricity of God hits my face. Actually, we were in the, the Sunday night service. And I start feeling like God's speaking to me. And what I have is I have an email account that, that lists, it, basically it's only for prophetic words, so I focus on what God has done, is doing, and is going to do. Um, and so I emailed myself what I felt like God was saying. Can we put up that first slide? This was January 2016. Upper Room Frisco. I'm sitting here at Upper Room Dallas right now. This morning was the second UR 101. I'm feeling electricity on my face, and I feel like God is telling me that I will start or be a part of an Upper Room Frisco in downtown Frisco off Main Street. And I, what's funny is I remember thinking, I need to make sure I spell this really good because if this is true, years from now, which is actually seven years now, I might be in front of a whole congregation of people showing them a screenshot of it. Now, I did misspell something, though. It should be a space part because it's not a part from, it's a part of, you know, but God doesn't, perfect, God doesn't partner with perfect people, so it's okay. Um, so then, you know, through a, really, through a series of really cool prophetic stuff, I mean, one time um, I, was, I, was in a, I was in the second row of Upper Room Dallas, and Michael Miller was sitting in front of me, and one thing I never wanted to do with this is coerce or manipulate things. I wanted God to do it, okay? And I remember asking the Lord, like, if this is gonna happen, then I'm gonna have to get to know that guy, but I don't know him, so how can I get to know him? And I had this feeling in my heart that I felt like I just prayed. I said, well, God, you know him, and you know me. Why don't you just introduce me to him somehow? 
And right after the last song played, he turned around and introduced himself to me and Hannah. And we just, he, he felt like he wanted to connect. And we, you know, and then, so there's a lot of other cool stuff that happened. But later on that year, we went to lunch. And I just, and, you know, that was at the time where Upper Room was really looking for another uh, location in the Metroplex, trying to hear the Lord. Um, and I just shared me and Hannah's heart for Frisco and words we had about Frisco. Um, and I think some of the things that I had kind of confirmed some things in his heart. Um, you know, we definitely, I remember that lunch where we both like really felt the presence of God and there was like a DNA there that we shared. But we still didn't know for sure if something was going to happen here, right? We got to hold things loosely. And it's something that I want to mention real quick that I think it's really important for those that are real prophetic and they're, you know, uh, keeping tabs on what God has said. At that lunch, I did not share him that email, right? I didn't, I don't, I don't know if I ever showed him or maybe I did it later on, but I purposely, again, did not want to manipulate this because things that are birthed in the spirit are going to be sustained by the spirit. Things that are birthed in the flesh, I don't want to have to sustain that. You know, um, I feel like this thing is like, the way this thing worked, it was like, I feel like we moved from the hammock to the hamster wheel in Jesus, and the, and the Lord just, you know, <laughs> birthed it. It was just really cool. Um, so, uh, and then eventually, of course, Upper Room, you know, really felt like they were needing to plant out here, and then me and Hannah submitted to their vision, um, and, they, and they took it over five years ago on April, April 1st. Um, one more really quick, uh, cool prophetic uh, moment that happened in January uh, in 2014. I have this dream where God writes me a check for $7,777. And he wrote me a check, and he wanted me to be a spy. And that was my dream. And I woke up, and I thought about the, uh, you know, in the Bible where the spies are sent out to spy out the promised land. So I kind of felt like, am I going to? find the land that this thing is going to be in eventually. And through a series of event, I act, events, I actually connected to the, uh, the pastor who used to pastor in this building. Um, and we, we moved like our prayer sets that we were having at our, at our uh, apartment down the road to here. And eventually, of course, we bought this building in 2020. And this was really cool. Uh, me and Jeremy were hanging out at my house, and he didn't know about this 7777 dream. And he just said, hey, you know what's awesome? I got to see the blueprints. We just bought the building. Uh, sevens mean a lot to me, kind of prophetically. The exact square footage of the building is 7,777 square feet. I'm like, what? Like Elaine and Seinfeld, get out. You know, that's what I want to do. Some of you know that. Um, so obviously God initiated this, Obviously. Um, this was his initiation long before I even knew about Upper Room. Um, but what's it unto? What is it unto? It's unto his presence transforming lives morning, noon, and night. I mean, period. Um, it's to be transformed by perfect's love, perfect love's presence. And that ministers to his heart. And um, <clears throat> yes, Lord. Yeah, because hmm. yeah, okay. What I want to do is uh, I'm going to start 
to uh, move closer to ending with something here um, that I had on my heart a couple months ago. When Jeremy asked me to preach today, what I wanted to end with today is what I had on my heart a couple months ago. Um, And what I want to do as a prophetic voice to this community, I asked myself, like, what are some things that I've observed? What are some attributes that I feel like God has highlighted about who we are specifically to our, in our community over the last five years? And so if it's God's presence transforming lives morning, noon, and night, and 1 John 4, 8 says God is love, it's love's presence. It's crazy that we went there today, all about love. This is what I was going to land on. It's the presence of love transforming us morning, noon, and night. So if it's the presence of love, what is love like? What is love like? So I wanted, what I want to do is I want us to look at a familiar passage of Scripture But I want us to see it potentially in a fresh way that we've never really thought about before. And the way I want us to look at it is I want us to look at it like it's describing who God is because God is love. But I also want us to look at it like it's describing who we are because we are made in the image and likeness of God who is love. Okay? And so I just want to just, you know, kind of prophesy, if you will, over, I, over you guys, because you guys are amazing. Um, so can we put up the 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8? Okay. Love is patient. We are a community who are patient with each other because God is patient with us. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. Love is kind. God is kind. We are a community who are kind to each other because God is kind to us. Romans 2.4, Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness? And tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. The Greek word for repentance is metanoia. Can we, can we all say metanoia? Okay. Uh, it, what that means simply is change the way you think. That's, how, that's, that's what that means. So encountering God who is patient and kind changes the way we think about this God and who we are, because we're made in his image and likeness. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. We are a community, I believe that we are a community that is a culture of honor. I've never, ever in my life been a part of a community like this. Like I I look around and all these amazing faces and people that I know that I've laughed with and cried with and just, you guys are incredible. 
You really are. You are amazing. We are a culture of honor. And a definition of honor that I've heard is uh, honor is celebrating who someone is without stumbling over who they're not. And maybe take it a step forward is honor is celebrating who someone is without stumbling over who I think they might not be. Because maybe they just had a bad day. Who knows? Um, And just to say this real quick before I go into what a culture of honor is more, I want to talk about what it's not. Being a culture of honor does not mean we're not honest. Right? It doesn't mean that we don't confront each other in love when some things need to be confronted. It just means we don't divide over what's not meant to divide us. But I get it, too many in the church in the name of honor are not honest. But an honor culture is a confrontational culture. But here's the thing. I believe that the ultimate goal of confrontation is connection, not correction. I care way too much about honoring our connection that I want to allow these disagreements to divide us. Usually when I confront someone, I, I like to say, the reason why I'm talking to you about this is because I love you and I want to stay connected with you and I don't want to have anything between us. And so let's talk about this because that's the purpose. And what happens though, correction happens as we come together and try to find common ground in unity. And the byproduct of that, we get, we get corrected from that, but it comes from seeking to understand more than being understood. And when both people come, both parties come, I think, that, I think it helps good fruit to happen. Um, an honor culture is a kingdom culture. Chris Vallotton, you guys know who Chris Vallotton is? Uh, one of the pastors at Bethel Church. He wrote a book called Heavy Rain. It talks about the difference between a kingdom culture and denominationalism. He says, in denominationalism, people gather and unite solely around doctrine and divide when they disagree. He goes on to say, the kingdom is a family affair built on family values and relational connections. This promotes freedom for people to think creatively, to dream, to envision with God, and to experience new depths of the Holy Spirit. Disagreement does exist, in fact. You could say that the culture even encourages it, or certainly allows it, by inviting revelation. Doctrinal disputes often arise as believers process fresh truth that frequently assails old traditional mindsets. But the unity of the Spirit is the foundation because the priority of relationships is kept above doctrinal agreement, which promotes highly relational core connections. See, beloved, if our beliefs, if we put our beliefs above relationship, then I believe we are already off and have fallen into deception. Because doing so is a very dangerous, slippery slope Because what often happens is the very friendships that were forged by the Holy Spirit become severed, and that breaks Papa's heart. Because God is relationship. Think about that. 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is relationship. The core of God is relational. Hmm. We are a community that puts love and relationship above our disagreements because unity is not found in uniformity. Unity is found in diversity. And the thing that, the thing that unites us is not an agreement on every single non-essential doctrine. We, uh, we, we unite around who Christ is and who we are in him. Amen? Love is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. We might want to be like God more and not keep record of each other's wrongs. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he removed our transgressions from us. I love what Jeremy said a couple weeks ago. Notice that it's not the north from the south, because if you were to go north, eventually you're going to go south. But if you go west, you will never, ever go east. I mean, he, he has removed it. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them, and he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. See, I don't think people leave, most people I don't think leave Jesus. I think they leave a misrepresentation of Jesus. Many of us grew up with a God that has an image that was made in man's image. And I found that the only way to ensure that I'm not making God in my own image is to submit every image I have to the invisible image of the, wait, to the visible image of the invisible God. I messed that amazing quote up. Okay. Um, but no, uh, he is the exact expression of God's true nature. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We are a community that are known for our love for one another. They will know we are Christians because of our love for one another. Mm. And representing who Christ is through the ministry of reconciliation. Mm. You know, today I really felt like there were some people in the room. When we were talking about taste and see that the Lord is good. I really felt like there were some people in the room that when they think about Jesus or the Lord, it's not a very sweet taste. It's a bitter taste. And I'm sorry for the misrepresentation. He is better than we think. And I feel like there's healing today. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. The Amplified Version says, uh, looks for the best in each one. I believe God looks for the best in each of us.
And of course, verse eight, love never fails. Love never fails. As I near to close, I, I kind of went through this a lot faster than I thought I was going to do. But I actually, I think that's the Lord because I do, like my third goal is for us to have time to really encounter God. I, I really do. And we're all about his presence transforming. But I, I want to share uh, two dreams that I had. And one of the, dream, the dreams that I had um, it was a dream about flying. And just so you know, like for me, when I have dreams about, uh, about flying, obviously flying can represent like uh, freedom, right? But you're not fully free unless you know that you're fully loved. And so dreams when I'm flying, it represents me realizing that I'm fully loved, okay? I've had many dreams like this. But this specific dream, we were here in this building, Upper Room Frisco, and there was no ceiling. And people began to fly. There was a few people over here that began to fly. There was a few people in the front that began to float. There was a few people over here that started to fly up. And we started to soar into the sky, the freedom of his love and and knowing how loved we are by him. But there were still some that hadn't flown yet. And so what some of us did is we came back down. And we sat next to them. Sometimes when you're, when you're hurt by relationships, religion, what have you. You know, if God's in Z and you're over here in A, he doesn't say come to Z. He comes over here and he sits with you in A. And he loves you where you're at. He wants to understand what you're going through. And we're a, we're a community that is okay with the process we're okay with, I just, I'm bringing this up because we're, you know, me and Hannah are part of the ministry team and, and you know, just been around for, for, you know, since the beginning. But, like, I really feel like our community here, it's a place for, for those that have been hurt by religion. Many other things, but, like, I, I just, I have seen so many people come in here, and me included. I mean, who hasn't been hurt by religion and Stuff like that, you know? Um, but I want this to be a place where people can come in here and be free by resting in his love. The second dream I had, Terry Lindsay came to me in my dream. You guys, who knows who Terry Lindsay was? He was an elder at Upper Room Dallas. He passed away, I think, in 2018, something like that. This guy just embodied the love of the Father. Like just, you look in his eyes, and he was such a father to so many. And um, in January of this year, I had this dream where he comes to me from heaven. 
And in the dream, I knew that he had passed on. And so I was just like all ears, like, what are you about to tell me? What message do you have from heaven? And he looked at me with these piercing eyes of love. And all he said was, love one another. Love one another. And then he left. I woke up. Oh, Jesus. I believe that, you know, God brought us together to be transformed by his presence. To and that's what ministers to his heart. To be transformed by perfect love. Mm. Can we have the worship team come up? Is that good? Mm. Can we all stand? We put our hands out like this. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we ask you right now to blow through here. Blow through, Holy Ghost. We ask that you would reveal to us that love is not a principle. Love is not a concept. Love is a person. Love is a person. Mm. 